Is that was that going to be the one you reckon? I guess so. It's Wh- who jumping is it? out at us. Well, yeah, it did. It jumped off the magician. Ooh, <laughs> I like that very. Look, <laughs> he's cool. he's on the front of my book there. I pulled out at a little at an art thing I did a little while ago. But um, all right. So that's fantastic. That's exciting. So what we're going to do now is. I'm going to get you over for like the intro to the show. I'm going to get you to read what that means, um, why you pulled it, which is pretty exciting. The, those first oh, okay. few words is kind of what it symbolizes. And then... <laughs> Holy shit. So, yeah, just go from the top. Yeah, go from the top. The magician. Personal power, intention, will, resourcefulness. When you get this card in a reading, you have the potential to make things happen. The key to taking control of your life is to have a vision and then take action to make it happen. Intention and action are both required. When your intentions and actions are aligned, real magic occurs. Start gathering... (laughs) Real magic. Real magic. I should say this to uh, clients before they start recording. Let's get our actions and intentions aligned. Yeah, fuck over. some magic. How many bands have you recorded that haven't made the magic, man? <laughs> I know you know when you know when it's real magic with a certain band, right? This is the answer. Yeah. The, the magician. <laughs> Start gathering the resources you need to meet your goals. Oh, it's a bit too late to bring that up. What's the idea? This is a pre-production meeting. <laughs> the universe is empowering you to manifest your vision. Take advantage of this opportunity by staying focused on your goals and applying your power. Sick. Nice. All right. Well, <laughs> I fucking couldn't have got a cooler card, hey? Like, yeah. that sounds pretty good. So, welcome to Fucky Tarot Lady, episode three. I am here joined by Joel Taylor. Thanks for coming on, man. No worries, man. This is exciting. Now, you're the first... Well, Matt doesn't count. He was my first guest, but he was my podcast partner. You were the first person to come back who'd been on Key of Solomon previously. Yeah. Um, I tried to listen to that podcast. I fucking hated it. Myself. <laughs> not you. You had some nuggets. I was like, this is great. We asked some good questions, but fuck you don't shut up, Rory. So I'm going to really make sure in this episode I talk to you about it, like more stuff and like let you have just time to shine and not try and just fuck it. It's like Matt and me and you. It was too much going on. Jackson Wright from Party Vibes pops in in the episode midway through do you remember oh, that yeah. do you remember that in the recording yeah. so that's as bad as far as I got and I was like I can't listen to this anymore <laughs> and it sounded like shit <laughs> this was on the zoom it had yeah. uh, it was just uh, it was just a zoom and there was room noise us yeah. huddled around the table yeah whereas yeah. now we've got those fancy mics you helped set up this this new yeah. version of the show thank you very much the SM7s hmm the SM7s yeah great mics <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy them. I didn't get any Spono stuff. So anyway, let's imagine that episode was recorded in about 2015. Since then, you've done a shitload of stuff. Let's try and less focus on the origins of Joel Taylor and more kind of what's been happening recently in your life. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about specifically, the reason why I thought you should come on straight away, because Matt talked about you quite a bit in his episode because you were instrumental in the recording of Black Helm's new album, which just came out on Friday. Um, He told me that he recorded the drums about a year before the band had even like recorded their stuff. And yeah. he reckons we well, had, he has a feeling that you might have a graveyard of stuff on your hard drive of people that record some drums and go, yeah, we're going to get this thing and it's going to be sweet. Has that, has that happened before? How many graveyard tombstones are hanging around your hard drive? Oh, there's a few. Yeah. <laughs> but not as many as get finished by like a massive distance. Yeah? Yeah, most things get finished. How long does it take to get finished? Like, what's the oldest thing that hasn't there's been, like, unleft? Like, oh, there's a guy that would have started recording... Ooh, there's a few contenders. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to think about it. <laughs> there's a guy that started recording uh, probably 10 years ago. Wow. And I wasn't involved in all of the recording, but he was collating it. He had a lot of mates in different cities. So he would send them a track and go, can you record some acoustic guitar to this or some vocals? And he'd put down a vocal track here, send it off. And then a couple of months later, he'd come in with all these CDs and be like, yeah, I've got to get vocals off this one. I've got to get guitar off that and collate it all together. And then he went traveling and I haven't heard from him for like three or four years. 
We've got, still got it all like ready to go. Are you worried he's going to come back with multiple CDs? I'm, like, I'm going to need stuff from this. I've got noises from Spain here. Yeah, I've got yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. So could it be potentially one of the greatest things you've ever worked on? Probably, probably, yeah. If it, if it gets well, I mean, in in a sense of like the sense of scale, you know, like this thing is like years in the making. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's. I don't know how good it's going to be. You kind of lose focus when it takes that long. Oh, but that's his, a really his, good point, actually. Yeah, but his bass player was in here for something else. And he was like, oh, yeah, when are you going to finish that? And he goes, oh, not till like 2020. And this was three years ago. Like, it was all part of the plan. So I like, I like people with big plans. Like, if you look at anyone successful, like, most of them are pretty switched on with that kind of stuff. Like... I don't want to get too inspirational, but like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like super. I listened to his audiobook just recently. Have you guys listened to that? No. It's like, he was just like, oh man, when I moved from Austria, I wanted to be this. And then a year I wanted to have that. And then two years after that, I wanted this. And then I wanted to be like, and it's just like, fuck man, he just did it. Like, and it's, it's all well and good to say that when you're famous, Arnold Schwarzenegger now, but like he was, he was <laughs> like your mate, you know, <laughs> that's a 2020 goal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I probably had, like, four different goals when I was 20. <laughs> One of them was to own a recording studio. Done. And that one worked out. So it's like, yeah, I, I got it. What were the other three? Did they just fall by the wayside? I was you... not worry about that. <laughs> I can't even Want to have a solid gold house and a rocket car? <laughs> Apparently gold's real good for uh, keeping cool in the sunlight <laughs> is it really yeah. what about gold tipped things in the music industry is that all bullshit like a gold tipped like I think it jack? doesn't doesn't oxidise so it's good oh it is good yeah. they're always trying to sell you that shit at JB Hi-Fi is like cheaper stuff you could use that doesn't oxidise though yeah probably <laughs> but it's not gold is it <laughs> I don't know you can go crazy with that stuff like speaker cables that cost two grand for like a couple of metres yeah it's all made out of monster cables What's monster cables? I don't know. Like the energy drink. Um, yeah, I was just about to say, is it fluoro green? You know, monster cables. It'd be great. Um, let's talk about you know, you let let's magician. You've made it happen. You own your own recording studio. Yeah. The Black Lodge. When we first part podcasted four years ago, it was on the verge of happening. I think it was still three phase. Just about to take over. Yeah. yeah. Has it been in the last? perfect timing by the way for us to only talk about Black Lodge related stuff then how has that been of a transition in the last couple of years it being yours it's been awesome yeah so I guess the goal was like I had you know shitty sort of jobs and um, I was at work like I've put so much of this crap job into my head memorising where stuff goes the order to the procedure to do this in if I just Work on music from nine to five. Yeah, Imagine all the stuff the I would learn. Yeah. So that was a goal. And I think I worked enough to, in that job, to take three months off and then go, I'm going to do it full time for three months. And if I can afford it, by the end of that, I'll keep doing it. Great. And if not, oh, I guess I'll go reevaluate. Tell me, can I, can you throw anyone under the bus what that job was, or could you give a bit of maybe vagary of what that kind like what, what kind of work was that while you were recording? Uh, I was taking apart police cars in a police station. <laughs> <laughs> and what for? For what purpose? So once they've done, I think maybe sixty thousand k's or might be less. They strip all the cop stuff out and then sell the car. And on the other side of the workshop, they install it in new cars. So I was ripping stuff out. So like all their... <coughs> all the sirens, all their the <laughs> special radios. Like the shotgun holder, is that a thing? Yeah. Is yeah. that a thing in Australian yeah. cop cars? I thought it was just American shit. Oh, maybe not that specifically. I don't know if they... Yeah. But they had like cop stuff where there's a holder for this here and a thing for that and a computer that screws into the dash oh yeah for the T1000 to like break in and find out where John Connor lives like, exactly you know, yeah, gotta have yeah. that shit in the cop car don't they no. sick wow, and then so you, you gotta pull that. out all the old donuts that they've left under <laughs> the seats and Macca's <laughs> packets and stuff but it'd be like the whole of Victoria would bring their cop cars here wow so all the highway patrol dudes that live in their car their cars would be immaculate they took a lot of pride in it, but the 
precinct cars no one gave a shit about they're all thrashed and is it because like everyone drives the same car and there's like that no accountability because like could have been any chump from the yeah, last week well, yeah Fucked yeah it up, exactly you know? <laughs> just you get whatever car anytime i've ever had experience with a work car it's always trashed like it's terrible <laughs> and you're like no one's responsible because it could have been any of like yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. staffers it's like totally. don't eat in the cars like stuck to the dashboard but then there's like food <laughs> everywhere you're like oh fuck me um, all right, so you did that, and what point did you? So you, you took the three months off from that. At what point was that? Was that just after the Black Lodge started, or you just took over, or was this before that? Was, that? that was a couple of years before, but mm. I guess I, that was sort of the trajectory to just okay, I'm going to concentrate on this, and I ha- and I have a few different income streams. So now it's studio and live work only, mm. uh, but at the time I'd worked like as an AV tech, so that was okay like i felt pretty good about being an av tech slash it was slash mixer slash mixer yeah um but yeah i got out of that and now i'm just mixing so was that for like live events like doing live feed like running it to cameras and like having it projected on something or like what kind of av it was was at acme at fed square which setting up like exhibitions cool david bowie exhibition that kind of thing so setting up projectors and lights and so it was to be Big set up for systems. an entire exhibition. Yeah, as which would like, run know. for three months and then you'd go in and rip it out. So the time in between, I wouldn't be working there so much. Well, sounds like a pretty good gig. What it was other? a good gig. Did you do the was, Bowie one? Yeah, I did the Bowie one. Was that yeah. cool? Yeah, it was mad. It was... You secretly touch all his clothes when I was looking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't comment. I can't comment. I do know someone that may have licked certain things. <laughs> It wasn't me. Definitely wasn't me. <laughs> Do a I'm DNA a swab on Bowie's clothes. <laughs> you might find out all sorts of shit. Someone stole a glove, I think. Like someone out of the... the like, of, like, a, like a random... Just a consumer or whatever. What? <laughs> Civilian. <laughs> Why don't yeah, they do They it? stole something off the Ashes to Ashes. Uh costume do you reckon they've put it in like a frame and mounted it on the wall or do you reckon they've just stuffed it in like a drawer somewhere just smelling it while they're doing other things I don't know <laughs> licking it cool <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've you've doing like Black Lodge full time at that is that just recording bands and like mixing live is that what you're yeah. talking about yeah so that's what I'm where I'm at now which is sort of the the goal from however long that was yeah ago. totally tell yeah. us about some highlights over the last couple of years like what kind of bands have you worked with that have been like a either a really cool experience or maybe a challenging experience maybe not challenging in that they like you know you hated them or anything but like what was something that pushed your creative kind of boundaries uh there's a, a band that I've been working on for ages called Phantom Panda Power Wizard Master Smasher <laughs> sorry say that one more time Phantom Panda Power Wizard Master Smasher yeah yeah and what kind of stuff's going on there? So they play like uh, bastardized versions of Bugs Bunny cartoon soundtracks. Whoa. So it's like the big orchestral, crazy music, but kind of it's like Mister Bungalized a bit. You yeah, know? So it's oh, like death yeah. metal riffs all through it. And I was about to say it sounds a bit Fantomassy, like a yeah, bit, yeah, bit Mike Patton with a with a metal drummer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. That's super exciting. Uh, with it's kind of with like sort of blood dustery vocals you know that Australian mm. death metal growl mixed in with parts of it seem like a Broadway musical wow so it's all over the place it's in sync with the cartoons too no shit yeah okay so how long have you been working on this for and when can when will it re- like reach the light of day do you think oh, I think it'll hopefully they release a clip this year so they've been replacing the cartoons with their own cartoons. Everyone in the band has like a character. And so there's cartoons of all the characters that go along with the songs. It's nuts. <laughs> and yeah, the um, live show's pretty involved. It's in sync with the projector. We've been playing with surround sound a bit. So it's I'm mixing them live. I'm also mixing the album tracks at the moment. Wow. And the album tracks are insane. It's like... How many track... Like, on, like, a, a levels in your kind of mix down, like, how many so layers are in there? The version of Pro Tools I've got is 256, and it, it's more than that. 
What? I don't know how far past the, it just stops counting at 256. Like, you can't have these many turned on. So I'll have to mix down. Oh, things. like multiple, like com- compress tracks together. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. When you flatten layers on Photoshop, when you're like, yeah, oh, pretty they're much, pretty much yeah. the same. <laughs> Don't need those apart anymore. Yeah. So you can, yeah. And so you what wanna, kind of stuff would you compress together? Like parts of the orchestral score or? Yeah, there's some parts where like, so there's, there's your full metal band. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes there's like six or seven guitars. There's a bunch of, bunch of, um, because it's all changing on a dime, you have one guitar tone for 10 seconds and then another guitar tone for 10 seconds and then another guitar t- tone for like two seconds and then it'll go back to the first one or it, or it won't. It just, it's insane how much it changes. So managing that, like, you if you've got a different guitar tone, you probably want to have it on a different track. You can't. You kind of because then you have go, like okay, a hundred this, of just, yeah, just guitars, just guitars, yeah. <laughs> and it's all that crazy stuff, like you know, when the coyote blinks, it's a xylophone, blink, blink, yeah. you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. We recorded some of that here, and the player was reading the music, and she's like, oh, "I think this is a mistake. It's just blink, blink." And he goes, "No, that's the blinking." Yeah, bar eighty three. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's not really in time with music. It's just... It's just... It is. Yeah. Just a random thing. Um, But it has to be on the third beat of bar 83. Because that's when he blinks. I think... (laughs) I have so many questions, but I think a lot of those questions need to be directed at members of the band in a separate podcast episode. Oh, yeah. But if I could just get a couple more things clear, because I feel the listeners will be like, I need to know more before we move on to other things. Because you've just opened about 60 doors. (laughs) All these close a couple of them. So let me get this straight. They've they've got the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. And then they've recorded music to go on top of it, but then they've made their own animations to replace the need for the old so you, you there's no more copyright infringement because Yeah. Yeah. So it's like but they've used that as a basis for their own animation. Yeah. yeah. Who did yeah. the animation? Someone in the band? So there's a guy that kind of runs the band. It's his band, but he's chosen characters that kind of fit in. And, uh, you know, everyone's working hard, but he, I guess, calls the shots and pays for everything. Right. And so it's his his vision. He's transcribed a lot of the Looney Tunes stuff, but then written, like, totally new riffs to kind of go over it and take it somewhere else. And he's written, like, a whole bunch of dialogue that isn't in the Looney Tunes stuff. It's to a script. And are people performing that as well? So it's it's not only... It's a... So it's like, yeah, helping record The Simpsons. Like, yeah, you're like a like, musical episode of The Simpsons. Oh, it only goes for like three, five minutes. Though. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that's, I think that's, <laughs> that's enough for me to like go, right, we'll, find, we'll get that dude's info later. I'll hit him up. We'll get a podcast going. And then I think we need yeah. to just explore that further because that's, that's a fucking can of worms right there. Yes. So what else, other, other than that sounds crazy, what else has challenged you in the recording process in the last couple of years, band-wise? Well, we, we should go back to Black Helm. Yeah. That was a big project and I, I reckon it came out awesome. I'm, I think everyone at this point said, I'll listen to it. It's on Spotify. It came out last Friday. I've had a, we had a bit of a sneaky copy of the mix for a while as well, which I've been listening to, but so annoying because I'm a Spotify guy. So you're like, I'm listening to a VLC with a playlist and I've like got all the tracks. I'm like, this is shit. This is not how I, I kind of have a playlist. It doesn't work. Um, like a Spotify player. I'm big into like, I like that shit these days. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, it sounds awesome. It sounds massive. It sounds like um, when you're talking about performance and play, and it is, is a bit of a bit of a play. Like it feels like a bit of a there's a narrative almost feels like, like Walker does kind of speaking parts, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, a definite we it theatricality. Has to, it has to fit in this aesthetic frame, mm. I guess. And what is that frame? Do you reckon? Like what it was probably a bit different for everyone. We didn't really talk about it too much. Yeah. But when something didn't fit in it, it was kind of like, no, nah, that's probably not quite right. Yeah. And you know, who would make that decision? Was that between you and Cam? I feel like he'd have a big part in that. Yeah. Cam was... He co-produced the album? He co-produced it. Yeah. And is that... Have you worked with a co-producer often here in the Black Lodge? Is that something that happens often that someone has such a specific vision, it's easy for them to just be like, you and me this together, <laughs> you know? It It's usually like f- sort of just naturally comes out wait 
because the two people it can be more than two but you've just got to figure stuff out and two people will do the figuring out because they've got the vision and I'll be one of them because I have to kind of help them deliver it but so even you if know? it's even if it's not a, a legit co-producer role someone in the band's always going to be making the shots or have a more kind of concrete understanding of what they wanted than other band members you mean yeah or a better way of summing it up yeah you know or like it'll be a different person for a different song mm. you know what I mean so it's it's kind of random but with Black Helm it was Cam Cam was sailing the ship <laughs> he yeah. was at the front of the Black Helm yeah yeah dude sure. it was I was in the studio at the time when I don't know which song it is but it's got the the end of man bit that's kind of like quiet and yeah, you, were, yeah. you were like playing with that notion and then recorded it and then ended up in the song and I just thought because it was like what well, was Mika and it was Tim and it was Walker and everyone kind of did their own version at different pitches or tones you know chanting the end of man a bunch of times yeah, yeah. and I was like this isn't gonna fucking work like this is ridiculous <laughs> like, oh, you just gotta put reverb on it and then, like, <laughs> and then, if, if there's no reverb then that would have been weird but yeah it but was, then it's it's in the final mix and you're here and you're like fuck I couldn't couldn't imagine the song without it now and that was just something that you guys were like get in there like you yeah, have a crack it, we'll you, give you, it a go see if it sticks yeah so was there a, a bit of improvisation in like like that in the album or was it you know how much of it was kind of regimented and how much it was kind of flowy on the in the recording process well all the drums and guitars were pretty nailed down like they'd sussed well they'd sussed the drums out mm, like a year beforehand uh, yeah well i think we did the drums in november and we didn't start doing guitars till april or something wow. and then it was mixed by the following november yeah i had a i had an ear infection for a while which meant I couldn't mix for like a month or something. That's like the worst so, thing for you to get as a, like, it feels like ironic in a way. Yeah. Like, that was your, did you do something wrong? Do you think that was karma getting back at you? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Did you get an ear infection? How did you get an ear infection? Did the doctor say like, stay away from... I've just got shit sinuses. Like, uh, I get ear infections. So, yeah, I've got to look after myself not get a cold if I get a cold then I'll probably get an ear infection if I get run down and is it completely impossible to do your job with that or can you still do it but you have to just correct your work later when it's gone well you can do like you can do kind of admin stuff like if I'm going to gate toms that might take a few hours so can you explain to listeners what gating toms mean I assume that means toms on a drum kit yeah yeah and what does gating them mean so you're cutting out all the all, that track you'll have one mic on each tom and then when that track is when the tom isn't being played you're muting the track uh. and you can get in the old days they'd get a gate which is like this uh, you know like a compressor like something you put in your so single when, part when it's not in use it wouldn't make yeah. any kind of noise yeah and when you hit the tom it goes over a certain volume the gate will sense that and let it sound through cool and then it slowly fades out or quickly fades out however you want to do it so usually the symbols will be coming through the tom mics all the time yeah. and it's quite harsh the mics are pointing away from the symbols so they're not getting a good representation so you want to just get rid of it and is how long does it take for like one track to gate toms like is that a long process or can you kind of streamline it with some keyboard shortcuts it, it really depends. It's like you have to kind of adjust to every drummer because there might be a ride cymbal right next to the floor but nothing next to the rack the other yeah. time. So you, you the floor will take you like an hour and the rack time might take you like five minutes. <laughs> and I'm really pedantic about it. Like if I'm going to do that, you don't, you don't always do it, but if I'm going to do it, I don't want it to be... You don't want to hear it happening. And I guess it would depend on the band too, right? Because wouldn't there be certain bands that have a sound that has a bit more of a room feel and some have a bit more of like a yeah. sterile kind of sound? So it's so it's really program dependent. you got to do it depending on what the song needs. Yeah. Like uh, my the previous guest on was uh, Sean Connor from a band called Oz Mutants and they recorded their whole album in like a day and a half because they did the whole thing live and the whole thing was... And I was just 
I didn't even know in this day and age that was still a thing. That it's like, I just imagine everything would be like sterile, behind glass, no interference between each other's microphones, but it's still happening and it sounds great. Like, I wouldn't say that it sounds worse than other albums. It sounds great for what it needs to sound. Like, every band has its own flavour, you know? There's a thing that happens when you play live. Like, everyone will adjust to each other. So if the drama speeds up a little bit, the guitarists will all speed up the same amount at the same time. Mm. But so if the guitarist speeds up, the drum will probably speed up a little bit as well to him. You know, like they'll complement each other. If you're doing it all separate, there's no interplay. So you just have to go to whoever came first. (laughs) (laughs) And that's always drums, I assume, right? When you're recording everything individually, does it have to start with drums? No, not really, but yeah. it, but it's. I think it it's better if it does. Usually, like because they're the metronome, again, right? Like, would would you trust their their ability to keep time better than anyone else in the band? Or if you do it, say, to a click track, you record guitars to a click track, or record guitars to demo drums or to program drums, then yeah. that's all kind of taken care of, and the drummer that comes in later has to match. The, click. the groove of whatever's there. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's that's how we did Galaxy. Oh, that's fantastic. That's on my list. Of th- it's the first thing on my list in my book here <laughs> to talk about Galaxy. Should we jump into that now? Or do you want to kind of cover Black Helm as a recording process a little bit more? Like, is there anything else you'd like to, to bring up? Or? Well, we can kind of compare, I guess. Ooh. We'll see how we go. Let's do. <laughs> that's great. All right, so... I'm I'm really excited about Galaxy. That's a project that's been underway for a while, right? Like it's been. Was that one of those things of yours in the graveyard? Like riffs kind of come in a recording, or was it a was it a set time that it all got kind of done? So Stu, the guitarist, hit me up. He was like, "I've got this, probably a studio project. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play drums on it?" And sent me the tracks, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> no worries." <laughs> but I think I. Th- I'm pretty sure he sent... I got him to send them to me without programmed drums, but he had programmed drums. Yep. And I have a little bit of a fear of programmed drums because I've I've done it in the past where it's like, as soon as you put programmed drums on, that vibe tr- is transferred into the riffs and it's like... Oh, it's like it's in, the, it's in the DNA I ha- and you I can't change I have to play that programmed drum beat. Yeah. So I listen to it all just guitar riffs and it's like this is awesome and demoed a couple of songs and there's some funny like timing bits with strange accents where I was like oh you better explain this bit to me or I should listen (laughs) to the the program drums but only for that section and fortunately I got heaps of it I just played it the way he had intended them to go yeah sorry you said this was Stu right yeah, Stuart yep. Callan. So tell us a little bit about Stuart Callan and what's his background in music for people who are listening that are like, who the fuck is he talking about? Uh, well, I met him when he played in Pitch of the End. Very and cool. I played in The Abandonment. So we played heaps of shows back then. Yeah. And he's since played in a bunch of bands, Break yeah. Even, These Nuts. Uh, he was in Encircling Sea for a while. Yeah. He's played heaps of shows and toured the world and really knows what he's doing. But he hasn't really... Um, f- like driven a band like he's kind of driving Galaxy this is his like dream project in a way I sh- or is it like a pet project or is it has he, do you think he's been thinking about this for years or do you think this is a new development well yeah to go back to when he sent the demos I was like oh this this is awesome like are you going to re-record the guitars and he's like oh, I don't think I'd even be able to play the riffs like they're too fast <laughs> I haven't been playing it for ages and uh, when we so we went on from there, recorded the drums, and um, he kind of took it and was like, oh, I'll find a singer and we'll record some vocals at some point, and found Phil, who's like the perfect guy for it. And then they came and back. What's and what's Phil's resume? Can you give us a bit of a background on Phil? Well, I saw him singing in a King Fate. The band was King Fate. It was like King Diamond. Like a Merciful, merciful Fate. Fate cover band, and they just do a King king diamond song and then a merciful fate song and so like, he's got pipes yeah yeah <laughs> i was i was mixing a show and he was in the band after the band i was doing i saw him warming up backstage walking around in corpse paint with no shirt on just <laughs> it was like nailing the highest notes i'd ever heard <laughs> so when Stu came back and said oh this guy's doing it, i was like oh my god and 
I think we all like we should probably play some shows and <laughs> <laughs> have some fun. So how did you round out? You, you we're missing um, some members of the band. How did you round out the rest of the dudes? Uh, so we were recording Black Helm at the same time as finishing up Galaxy. Yeah. And I played it to Cam, who's in Black Helm, and he was like, "Need a guitarist? I'm there. Let's do it." Like straight up, I think he said it's a pretty that good Cam impression actually. About ten seconds of the first riff, he's like, "All right, all good. Let's do it." And um, Tim also from Black Helm's on bass. Me yeah. and Tim played in the abandonment back in the day. Tim, I don't think has ever said no to a gig <laughs> ever. <laughs> Do you want to play with us? Yeah, um, uh, he's a he's a yes man. Yeah, he's been he he'd good be for us because he's an awesome bass player. So I hope. Yeah. Um. So that's so that all kind of coalesced at the same time as the Black Helm recording. Then, so was that like November last year? You mean that's when it was all kind of coming together? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was probably started mixing them both in about August. And then September was a write-off and then finished up October, November. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, so, like, what... Um... So, it was crazy because I recorded all the drums to Stu's guitars that he'd recorded. He probably recorded them a year before. Did he re-record the those guitars? You said, are you going to do it? Did, did he do it or did he no, not No, he do didn't it? do it. <laughs> <laughs> So that was so that was that was talking about yeah. you doing drums based on, a, a, I guess a click track or program drums and guitars, and you just didn't listen to any of that. You just did your thing. Well, I listened to the guitars. So the guitars and, and in your ear the whole time well. when you when you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because you want to hit. Yeah, and if you, you wouldn't remember the, the 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 click track noises, you wouldn't know when the, what's coming in, right? Like it's just kind of that's just keeping time for you that's not like oh and then after this click the next click happens like that's not really a thing is it oh, I cheated pretty hard <laughs> so like I had uh, in the live room I had the Pro Tools like on the screen <laughs> did you so, move your computer into the recording well, I got a, a monitor extension so like yeah and like a USB I mean like a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard and you can yeah, just have it yeah exactly so Stu was in here just on his own, like listening to me track in there and I was driving everything and I'd do a take. He's like, ah, yeah, that was awesome. It was that's, cool. That's was really heaps cool. of fun. Have you ever had to record your own drums like that before that? Like with the setup right next to the drum kit? Yeah. yeah what, but, when yeah. was the other time you've done that? Join the Amish. Sick. Yeah. Um, and Riff Fist? Yeah. yeah. When we were playing. I think Riff Fist might have been talked about. That might have just started happening when we did the last podcast. Yeah, didn't you guys? Did you guys like play in Germany a bunch? Yeah, or something? yeah, we just either just toured or about to tour Germany. Yeah, I think. Yeah. How long were you there for? About a month. That's crazy. Yeah, and we did it twice, two years apart. It was crazy good. And the German fans are down with Riffist. Yeah, yeah, they love it. Sick. <laughs> What's the scene like over there in Germany? This may be some retreaded uh, podcast stuff from the last one, but what did you find that's different about say Germany to say Melbourne? Uh, well, just, there's so many people. Like, we played in Dusseldorf and in, I hope I'm getting this right, Cologne. And they're right next to each other. Like, maybe 20, 30 Ks, something like that. Mm. And not, like, massive venues or anything, but they were both probably 150, 200 people there. And, you know, it was a Thursday and a Friday night. And I think we played at 8 o'clock on the Friday night. Like it wasn't really later and yeah so people were going to the gig like early just to, to see us we were with mammoth mammoth yeah the aussie band so yeah it was it was nuts like it would be like playing you wouldn't play in melbourne and ballarat you know, <laughs> the same kind of thing or we wouldn't yeah. <laughs> galaxy's tour is gonna be just like <laughs> thursday friday like Ballarat, Geelong, Melbourne. <laughs> Just hit all the key little, yeah. you know, uh, Victorian <laughs> places. That's great. Um, yeah, talk talk us about a little bit more about Galaxy. Like, what's the plan? So you've got this album. It's not out yet, though. When's it coming out? Jeez, uh, September twenty something. Look, I'll put it. In, I'll put it in the Instagram. <laughs> don't, don't swear it. We can. We'll go into Pro Tools and we'll fix this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's Sa- but it's dates. There's been. <laughs> September 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, so like some of the tracks are already on YouTube. 
Um, uh, there's, there's one yeah, song. There's one. There's one song up, and there should be another song up next week, I think. So why right. YouTube as a place that, like, instead of releasing the single on, say, Spotify or Apple Music, or why YouTube was the place to show it off? I thought it was the, the label. I'm not sure what the motivation behind that is. But it was on Spotify. It's on Spotify, oh, it on Spotify now. Spotify? But when it first went up on Spotify, it was like like a DJ from New Jersey or something, like some other galaxy. Oh, that is the problem when you've got a band. Like, I know we've got uh, Mikey's here in the studio being our Jamie right now. And Party Vibes <laughs> has had problems before with like Jamaican dance floor anthems popping up in your Spotify. <laughs> so like, is it hard when you're a new band called Galaxy, which is a pretty, you know, like... Maybe like calling your band like oh, there's got to be other things called Galaxy. Yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah. I don't know how they cut through the noise. Like, who do you talk to at Spotify to be like, yo, our album is not the same album. Like when like a rapper gets their album is in the same thing as like another band. You're like, oh wait, that's not the same guy, but they got the same name, but it's lumped into the same Spotify. Yeah, I'm not sure how that, profile how they figured it out. Fuck, it's scares me <laughs> <laughs> but I was just purely for the YouTube just for the listeners because when this episode comes out the album's not going to be out yet they need to go to Spotify and then you go yep. to YouTube to hear this song what's what's the track? Dreaming Out yeah it's sick yeah. Yeah. it's real good <laughs> so think- yeah there'll be another one up next week so like I don't know around the 10th of August or something yeah that'll probably be out I think yeah. I've still got an episode in the pipeline before this one comes out so that'd be great to uh to, to sort out then listeners can go check out those things tell me about like the sound itself describe the sound of Galaxy it's quite out there for this time and place in Melbourne, Australia like well, how would you describe it? I guess I'd uh, say 80s metal heavy metal I yeah. say 80s heavy metal which is still pretty broad yeah is there a, would you give it like a would you give it a nod to like a proggy kind of element like would you would you is prog a bit of a dirty word yeah, no it's definitely a bit there's a bit of a rush vibe yeah but uh you know it's pretty like the, the vocals really place it with that really high pitched clean singing yeah. yeah so I don't know you just gotta hear it and then you're like oh that's exactly what it is fantastic plug everyone pause the podcast right now if you're listening on Spotify it's easy you just search Galaxy and you'll be able to find it look out for the other bands and other. the artwork but they've really, sussed that out now oh, they so, have. Yeah. the artwork's distinct too it's got that nice you know orange and blues planetary yeah. kind of vibe who did your artwork do you know who did that no <laughs> I'm That's the, fine. I'm the, just the drummer. You're just the drummer. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sweat you too hard about yeah, it. I'm just curious. I'm excited about it. I should have written all this down at some point. Nah, don't even worry about <laughs> it. I think it's better when uh, when a podcast is ad hoc. I don't want to be coming in with too many notes. I've only got just a short thing here. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you kind of touched on it before when talking about that band that, with a really long title with a Looney Tune. Say it again. Phantom Panda Power Wizard Master Smasher. Fantastic. Um... I was curious about how far you can kind of lean into like the film world. Um, you you mentioned before, you know, you, you mess around with a bit of video, things like that. Are you watching movies and TV shows? Like there's a lot of fantastic composers these days in television and movies. Are you watching that stuff and being like, fuck yes, music's great. Like are there, are there any yeah. contemporaries, people you like that are doing that kind of stuff or, or even fans? That, like do you have, are you a fan of like big composers in the States or... Uh, one guy that sort of stood out was that Cliff Martinez. I think that's his name, Cliff mm-hmm. Martinez. He did um a lot of the drive, mm. like the this sort of orchestral, not orchestral, but the mood stuff, not like the main hits. Uh, and he did a <laughs> series called Oh man, the Nick. Oh, the Steven Soderbergh one. Yeah, cool. And it's, and it's like uh. Have you seen that? No, but I've heard fantastic things. 1800s, sort of late 1800s. Clive Owens, a doctor in the the old times England, old timey England. At the Knickerbocker Hospital. I'm not sure if it's in New York. Oh, is he English or is he American in the show? I can't remember. I think he's American. I think at that stage in America, (laughs) they all speak. You kind of sound British anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Once you go back that far, you know. So um, he did the music for the Nick as well. Yeah, and and, and, it. and it's awesome. It's all electronic music, but the the things set in like eighteen ninety. Oh, really? So, so it adds to weird, a contemporary. Like, like it feels a bit more. Yeah, interesting. It's fr- from a time where they're yeah, they're they're all on cocaine. Thanks, it's Jamie. Like, 
cocaine for everything fixes everything <laughs> got sore teeth cocaine yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so this guy's just on cocaine the whole time and he's like a rogue kind of surgeon just trying he's a bit of a out. maverick is yeah, he yeah 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 is he gonna he's gonna do that thing that's gonna be completely uh not cool in nowadays but because he did that we know modern <laughs> well, it wasn't techniques. that cool then but they're like oh we've got to try something cool all right so <laughs> just so the music goes really well with that kind of because it's cocaine fueled yeah. early doctors new york kind of thriving yeah that sounds yeah. fantastic so do you hear the music first and then go who, who was that or do you know that you have kind of fans of you're you're a fan of something and then you get excited when they're you know I, i'm kind of illiterate with people that i was new i'll just be like that's awesome i wonder who that is yeah cool. and i was like oh it's that guy he actually played drums in Chili Peppers. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover now. You got like Tom York doing Suspiria, and Johnny Greenwood also from Radiohead does a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. Yeah, you've got um, like a lot of people seem to be kind of shifting. Like the celebrity composer is now really important. I think Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails have fucking oh, stomped all over that. Yeah. You know, like anyone, anytime is always trying to get Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross to do their their movie score and. Right, so I'm a fucking huge Nine Inch Nails fan. So anytime I see, oh, Bird Box was done by Trent Reznor as Ross, like I didn't watch that movie, but it would make me want to watch that purely because of the soundtrack. You know? What yeah, I mean? that was one that it didn't actually sound like a Nine Inch Nails record. No, to, like which some some of them, there's like an the, instrumental Nine Inch Nails record. The Ghosts one yeah, four. That, yeah, and you see, you'll be watching a YouTube documentary, and that keeps popping up because they released it like royalty free. So, like, and it's. <laughs> They did. Um, he did the ten-hour-long Ken Burns Vietnam soundtrack as well, yeah. and I'm watching it as a Nine Inch Nails fan, being like, "Oh, that's Ghosts Three, Number Four, <laughs> or that's this," and like, "Oh, you've, you've reused that from that other thing, you know?" Like, because fuck, how are you gonna fill ten hours worth of fucking music? Yeah, that I like. I like shit. how much other music is in that. There's a lot of like just pop, isn't there? Like, in the Ken Burns stuff, yeah. I dude. And listeners, if you've watched any of it, you'll know it's a fucking slog. I got through like maybe the first episode and a half and I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's so depressing and sad and long. And it's like school. And yeah. I didn't do very well in school. So, you know, like it's it's a it sits at the back of the Netflix queue. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I, I'll admit I've only watched about one episode. <laughs> I think everyone, it was someone, an, uh, I think it was like an AV club or on Vulture, like one of those kind of entertainment journalist sites they were talking about. On your DVR, like, before you watch that show you really want to watch, just watch one episode of the Vietnam thing because you need to do it. Like, it's almost like eating your vegetables before eating your fucking dessert, you know? <laughs> um, so I will get around to that at some stage. Maybe we can chronicle that on the podcast, my journey of trying to fucking get through that slog of <laughs> the Vietnam War on Netflix. But um, anyway, so we're talking... So, like, a, a big fan... Um, a guy I really like... I don't know how to pronounce his last name, probably Brian Reitzel. Redzel. Have you ever heard of that guy before? He does, um, mm. he does the music on Hannibal, the TV show. Oh, right. And then he mm. went on to do the music for America Gods, um, which was kind of similar showrunners. And he, he's drummed in some bands before. I think he worked with Air, and he drummed in a band called Red Cross for a while. And he's, oh, he's right. been around. But yeah. he's now... He did the music for the game Watch Dogs, for any gamers out there. So, like, he's, he's got one album of solo stuff. It's called Auto Music, and it's really cool. And you can see a lot of similarities in what he's doing in the, in Hannibal. But I wanted to get your opinion on him, so you have to check it out afterwards and let me know because his shit is... He uses weird instruments and he's really good friends with um, Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine. So he's doing kind of like weird dream-like shoegazy kind of stuff, but he's using like strange instruments and it's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I've only seen Hannibal, which mm, I liked. Yeah. Did you remember? Did the music stick out for you in any way at all? Oh, not really, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he'd use like a weird, like Japanese box instrument, and like pluck a string on it and get like weird resonant kind of sounds. And it's like, yeah, just to add to the weirdness of Hannibal, you know. Did you did you dig Hannibal as a show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. I'm making my girlfriend watch the whole thing, and we're like, <laughs> we're like, three, we've done two seasons, and I never finished season three when it aired because I didn't want it to end because I knew it was done. Uh -huh. So I'm like, so just, you haven't seen it yet? Nah. So oh, I've okay. only seen I've only seen halfway through season three because you know it takes that shift halfway when you get when you get into like red dragon territory with the tooth fairy, and I was like, nah, I don't want to know. I, I don't, I, you know when you don't want something to end sometimes, like you just yeah, want yeah, it to yeah. live yeah. on. Because I hope that I hope they'll announce that they'll do like a. There's been talk they'll do like a Silence of the Lambs with the cast of Hannibal 
soon, like ish, because the yeah, rights right. were with the rights were with like the De Laurentiis company or something for a while, and that's reverted back. So now they can do it. So there's all these rumors, like and like Mads Mikkelsen is like still really popular in the kind of and he's got like a fan base because he's just a fucking great Hannibal, you know? Yeah, he was, he was real good. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't know we we're gonna take a, a path <laughs> down there, but fucking anyone watch Hannibal? It's on Stan. You can watch the whole thing. I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan of Stan, actually. I didn't realize I would. I thought I'm gonna not use this, but you use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What are you watching? What are you watching at the moment? Uh I'm actually in between shows at the moment. I just smashed Stranger Things, season three. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Yeah, it's alright. Can we do? A, can we? Can we do a spoiler-free discussion? Because I don't know. Most people should have fucking binged it already, though. Let's be well, honest. I, it's I, been I, like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's two whole weeks, right? <laughs> What are you doing? Any time after that, you're allowed to spoil. <laughs> well, that's why I watched it. I, like, I was like, yeah, whatever, but someone's going to put something online and then it's going to be ruined. Yeah. So I took too long to watch Star Wars. So. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Someone told me what happened. No, it was on like when the. Uh, should I spoil it? It's. Spoiler All right, jump like ahead, listeners. Ago. Like, just press the thirty-second button a few times on the podcast if you don't <laughs> want to be spoiled for Stranger Things season three. No, well, I was going to talk about Star Wars. Oh, there was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it was when um, which which Star Wars are we talking? When about? Han Solo, oh, gets killed from by, yeah, by that his was son. Like, that was like fucking years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. if you don't know that already, listeners, I'm sorry, but that happened. But it, when it, that had been out for maybe a month or so yeah and there was like a, a meme or shit going around where it was like someone had a massive sticker on the back windshield of their car that was like Han Solo dies killed by a son like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> ruining lives so I that? had to watch Stranger Things 3 before someone says 11 dies or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Not, that, that not that many like no deaths really of like without Oh fuck! We're gonna spoilers. Like, the you're like, oh yeah, well, Hopper's definitely not dead, and then like, mm. and no one else really died of value. So it was like, it's a bit of a bit of a wash. Season three, I wanted someone to get fucking. I wanted one of the kids to get axed up, you know? <laughs> like, we're like Bob. Is <laughs> it Bob? Is that yeah, the Bob. Yeah, yeah. There was a great on, iPad ad a couple of years ago, and it was like a little redhead girl playing with an iPad with a, with a stylus, and it looked like Barb. Like they fully, and it, the whole it was like hundreds of comments on the Apple's Instagram page that said "Pray for Barb." <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a picture and I'll try and dig it up for the for the YouTube or something. I mean YouTube for the Instagram stories. I'll make it fun for for the people on my Instagram. Um, but it was great. Pray for Barb. She was using the stylus. You got a stylus there on your iPad, don't you? Mm-hmm. Is it handy? No, I, I just got it so I could sketch stuff. True. It's just the conducted ones that all work on any touch screen. I hate touch screens. Yeah. I have I make so many mistakes. I'm always hitting the thumbs up by accident in <laughs> chats. And it's like bad bad stuff will happen and I'll be like, Yeah oh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I can't come, my dad's died and you're like thumbs up. <laughs> no worries, buddy. I like that. I also noticed last time I was here in the studio you work with a trackball on your mouse. Yeah. Is that um, tell us about your rationale? Because it was very clever when you broke it down as a as a smart man like you are. Why do you use the trackball versus moving it around? Uh, I really started using it because my hands would get sore just from RSI kind of movements, and uh, just to break it up, I'll use the mouse for a while and use the trackball for a while. But uh, should probably get a stylus touchpad thing or. Are you, are you worried about the future of, yeah, of going definitely. that far? Like, yeah. w- would that be like a Wacom tablet or something? Is that? Cause I you don't can really use... know. There's there's like massive forty inch touch screens you can get, and they have ten points of touch. So if you have your mixer up on the screen, you can actually oh. kind of use it like a mixer. But I I'm always so frustrated with you know thumbs being upping. all thumbs on my phone and everything's wrong. It just seems like another thing to kind of. Do you feel like that'll be something that like the young buck engineers will start oh, doing? Yeah. You'll be like, yeah. "Oh man, I still use boards." You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I a track. <laughs> I like a tactile indication of what I'm typing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I... Minority reporting. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the future of recording bands? Minor- like Tom Cruise with a twisty wheel and a. Like uh, a- I think the future is analyzing 
what you've recorded and the computer goes these are the recommended settings and then you change it from there to fix it but oh you pick like i want it to sound like this kind of drum sound it just like does it for you like it's a like, like like a, you know when you've got like pop classical hip-hop <laughs> settings on your stereo or you just have that on your kick drum it's like yeah one of these it they literally there's literally plugins that have all that built in you're like all right, this should be a hip hop kick drum and it'll boost the low end. Uh, well, it'll analyze the kick drum you've got and go, well, it should be more like this. And have you recorded any hip hop drums here in the studio? Uh, like what's the, what's the, cause I, I know. Hip hop drums are quite often just sampled yeah. by, by the time I get a hold of them. Cause when I think of what you've done and, and the people like friends of mine that you've worked with in the past, it's always been on the spectrum of like, you know, heavy metal or hardcore or punk or any of that kind of within that spectrum yeah what's kind of and then you've got the power wizard panda super whatever <laughs> which is well that's fucking still, far removed but it's, it's still in that arena though really because yeah. it's got heavy yeah. guitars like once you got heavy guitars you probably depending on what you call heavy but say metal thrashy guitars mm. you kind of have to treat the drums a certain way to fit them together mm. so once the guitars aren't there the the drum palette can go in a completely different direction so where where have has that direction been with you in recording process over the years have you recorded some crazy shit like different to any of that stuff yeah well i mean i've recorded a lot of acoustic kind of poppy stuff and jazzy stuff but uh i guess more metal stuff (laughs) like that's your kind of niche yeah well from planning bands like yeah that's you who you meet you know when i leave the house it's like to do some band thing <laughs> but yeah I've been mixing some uh, like kind of acoustic pop rock stuff and like a long like a over a long period of time and when you get your acoustic pop rock people how do they get your recommendation is it because heavy metal dudes have now gone in the poppy direction and they still know you or how do they find out about your work like I feel like being a mixer engineer all that stuff it's all very word of mouth right like you do a good job for someone you get yeah. a recommendation yeah that's pretty much how like you've never facebook anything. advertised your business i assume no no all right all right i had the studio for two years before i made a web page <laughs> <laughs> and it, now yeah the web page is like a couple of years old now it's pretty out of date is it still there yeah. though it's not just like a it's still go there. daddy like yeah <laughs> Geo Under cities. construction, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a gif of like a little, yeah, yeah, yeah like <laughs> digging a hole, men at work. <laughs> so it's better than that. Yeah, it's better than that. But it's, it's got photos of that. kind of the current state of the studio. But yeah, um, sweet. Yeah, it hasn't been a uh, priority because yeah, it is all it, it is all word of mouth pretty much. Great. Yeah, it's similar with podcasting. Like, how often with podcasts do you ever like come across one just randomly? It's because a mate tells you to listen to it or. Yeah. You listen to a podcast where the guest comes on from their podcast. You're like, oh, I'll give yeah, that a yeah, go. Yeah. I think there's something kind of beautifully organic about only it being word of mouth. And I feel like Matt and I talked about it on our first episode, like advertising a podcast is kind of strange because it's like, who are you going to target and will they like it? Like, I think you need to really ease into that. It'd be the same way if you said, I'll record your band on a sponsored ad. Like, yeah, you, I think you really got to fit together in a way. Like you got to gel. Yeah, well, if someone hits me up, they they probably know what I'm about. You know, it's there's been a few people that have been like, "Can you send me a list of gear that you've got in the studio?" And I know them. <laughs> and I'm like, "That's weird. Like, you don't even." Okay, here's a list. <laughs> that, that's actually why I made the web page. So, so I was can... like, "What what have you got?" And I've got I've got this stuff. You're probably not going to have to worry about it. But you know, I've this just yeah. It, I, I was kind of like. This is the sort of stuff I do. Like, this is what, it'll, you know, yeah. what I can achieve with this gear. It'd be good for a website to have your, like, list of completed, yeah, um, you know, yeah. discographies or whatever. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, so I had, a, like, a SoundCloud for that. But, yeah, the web page has that. Yeah. I've been updating that, actually. Because yeah. I've got a, you know, a strong interest in music enough to want to find out who produced something or where something was recorded. But it's, it's kind of hard information to find on the internet sometimes. Yeah, it's like disappointing you're, that you need that like, isn't more... Like, I wish Spotify had l- all the liner notes. Yeah. You know? Like, it seems kind of lame. 
Well, that, and I, that's not. I love IMDb that you can find everything, you know? And then yeah. it's like, there needs to be like an IMDb for, for albums because it'd be great to find out when something was recorded, where it was recorded, who it was by, like, yeah. because, yeah, I think um, there are a, a lot of people going out there without credit, you know, or, or people that should be maybe held in a higher regard. Like, oh shit, he did that and that? That's cool. Yeah. Like, there's it, no place to kind of... No, it's sort of up to if the band's put it on Bandcamp, you know, then that's where you find out. It's not really... I think they've updated Spotify, but it might not necessarily be that much. But even if it was updated, where would you find that information? Like, it's not like in Bandcamp where you scroll down and there's all and, the and line there's, notes and Yeah, it's, everything's it's there. there. Yeah, I don't know. But they they just added some songwriting credit stuff. So hopefully this gets added down the line. Cool. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here. We've covered a lot of stuff, which is fantastic. One thing I want to talk about is the Black Lodge as a whole. Now, this isn't a, a rehearsal space like it used to be when it was three-phase. No. But you still have bands rehearse here, practice here, kind of, do they, like, do they rent the room? Is that how no, it works? No, no one rehearses here, really. Really? Yeah, unless I'm doing pre-pro for an album or it's me rehearsing. <laughs> so are you just kind of here on your lonesome all no, the time? No, no. But um, so there are people renting the old rehearsal rooms as writing rooms. So they just come so in. It's not. It's not necessarily like they come in like it's three phase, but they're. It's a space for them to be able to write yeah. their shit, and they can make like a little bit of noise. But all the rooms are rented out on the condition that it's not a rehearsal room. It's somewhere to come and you know jam out your ideas. Jam out your ideas. Yeah, and like there are like super quiet rehearsals happening in there sometimes, <laughs> but it, it's you know you could do, probably do it in your lounge room. Yeah. yeah, but I guess some people um, would like to have a re- rehearsal space or like a, a writing space, creative space, so you can be there. It's not like you're not at home, you're not distracted by oh yeah, yeah. TV. You can go in, and I think everyone knows what that feeling's like when you're trapped at home, and you're like, maybe instead of doing that podcast, uh, you know, editing and mixing and putting on the internet, I can just watch some Netflix <laughs> or Stan. You know, like fuck, walk the dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, who have you got? Can you can you name names? Like who who's kind of floating around? I won't I won't name names. That's fine just for their privacy. But there's they they're doing pretty well. There's one guy that's um, has heaps of songs with Triple J and is yeah. on tour a bunch of the time. And so when it, he's not on tour, he's out the back, just comes in and writes. That's cool. It's awesome. And that's know? it. That's what I wanted to kind of touch upon is the uh, I guess the kind of Warhol factory aspect of the Black Lodge you know like I, I'd like to hope it's not just you walking around in your, in your gym jams and your like dressing gown like are there like is there is it a bit of a bustling hive of creative people you know like yeah, writing yeah, things and making things so one guy is a painter so he had an art show um, here a few weeks ago Sick. which is pretty rad and uh, there's been a few little parties and private events and stuff that's pretty cool and then Day to day, you sort of go out and get a coffee and bump into someone and they're, they're doing something cool. You have a chat about it. Is there a weird relationship between you and them because you, like, are the owner? Like, is it kind of like them looking at you like you're a landlord or is it just like, oh, hey, man, like, do they uh, feel... It's, it's really chill. Like, it's great. Yeah. I don't, like, all the conditions are kind of set out when we start, we started, so they're all on the level. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Are you ever inspired or you ever see some stuff or do they ever like go, hey, you want to come check this out? Like, is there a bit of a collaborative process in any of this or is it all very like, I'm just going to do my thing in my room and you don't come in there? Ah, uh, there's a little bit, but it's not, um, you know, like I'm not appearing on anyone else's tracks or <laughs> anything like that. <laughs> but it, you know, the creative inspiration rubs off and it, it's pretty pretty cool yeah, yeah i feel like it would be a nice motivation for you to keep moving when you're seeing what other people are doing and oh that's cool maybe i should I'd, yeah maybe i should go back and <laughs> fix up that thing <laughs> <laughs> which is great this brings us to one more thing that i, I really wanted to talk to you about which i i have a, a serious question about is it like so i'm a big baroness fan right and they just released their new album golden gray and i don't like it <laughs> and I've tried to like it. I've listened to the album multiple times and I just can't, it doesn't, it's not clicking with me. And like listeners, that's fine. Maybe it'll eventually come good years later. Like I'll be like, oh, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. I might even listen back and hate it. Like I listened back at the previous podcast. <laughs> but compared to say like Purple, which sounds great, 
is awesome. Like one of my favorite probably records of all time at this point still. I don't know what will knock it off in the next couple of years. But as a engineer, mixer, everything you do, do you listen to like bands? Are you sometimes let down by some of your favorite bands like with new recording processes or maybe they go to a different studio? Like do you ever go, oh, what are you doing? Or like, can you pick apart what maybe would have gone wrong? Not specifically with Baroness, but with bands? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's been happening <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> like, there's heaps of bands that I, I would have gotten into, like, say, you know, fresh out of high school, I was listening to Lagwagon, the trash record, and everyone else thought one of the other records was the one. And I was like, no, nah, trash has got, like, the best drums on it. Yeah. So I really liked, I used to play drums along to the, whole record was when i was learning drums yeah and uh yeah like it was like it only resonated with me for that pocket of time where it was pretty kind of trashy you know the sound and it had a lot of energy and then the next one was more polished and i was like yeah it's like too slick it's lost some edge yeah you feel like you've been betrayed a little bit in some ways with certain bands like Used to, I thought you were this way, and now you're not this way. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they just got it. Just got lucky. Like I was looking for something at that point in time that that ticked the boxes of, and then, you know, once I'd kind of figured out that was the formula, I heard it on their next record and was like, oh, that's all the same stuff, but I don't like the snare as much, and the songs aren't as catchy, or they're too catchy. <laughs> <laughs> too catchy. Yeah. Well, I think they got more catchy like more poppy mm. more poppy hooks mm. and I, yeah it wasn't wasn't the right combo for me so you chalk that up to it being not necessarily like on the band or on the dude who's mixing it it might just be they're making something for a certain audience at a certain point of time and that might not just be the people that were into the previous album or the album before that yeah or it might be like they were trying to do what they did on their third album on their second album but it couldn't came, quite achieve mm. it and it came across this way and then when they figured out how to do it better it lost whatever that was people that gravitated yeah. to the thing that was the accident yeah that's really interesting actually it's a really good way to, to look at things I think you know I think in this culture we're so quick to throw something away like if it's not like if you don't like that album it's like well I just don't listen to it anymore like because you know there's no investment of like I'm bringing it back to Trent Reznor he always he always bangs on about this and in in in, in, in in any interview he does he's like when I was young and I bought a record like I had to listen to it and if yeah. it sucked I just listened to it anyway but now yeah. if something if you don't click straight away it's just well fuck it yeah. on to the next thing someone else has got a new yeah, song out you got, you got 20 seconds tops <laughs> like, come on so do you think about that when you're you know uh, producing bands in a way in the studio to like hey man these these 20 seconds need to matter like or is that is that your place? Do you think or not? Real, not really. Like it depends on how much of the production I'm doing. But ninety percent of bands that I record would have figured out all that stuff already. So if you play in one chord for the first couple of minutes, that's your you're a subjective choice. It's it's not for me to go. I'm bored. <laughs> Trigger there was somebody like <laughs> like recording <laughs> like like I'm employed to get their message across so I've got it well it's gonna make sense in this context mm. I think that's something we might have talked about the last time we spoke as well is that I really appreciate the way you operate with bands like the way you communicate with them and we've got Mikey here you've recorded with um with Joel a few times to probably back me up on this but you've got a really diplomatic way of it's not like would you agree, would you agree with that like i don't think you're not like you're not saying that's shit do it again it's more just like hey look that's cool but maybe we try this and I've then heard, i've heard you do better yeah yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that your line do you say i've heard you do better yeah, yeah. let's try another one yeah and i think that there's something really nice about that because i feel like there'd be people in this industry that'd be like that was shit like the gordon ramsay's of music you know like throwing waste my fucking time with these attitude notes <laughs> with like a megaphone in board <laughs> and i think that's great you know it's kind of nurturing you know it's like oh cool I, I, I could do better than that you know it's better for you it's better for them it's gonna sound better you're gonna be able to mix it better like yeah everyone like, wins like the you know when if you are doing vocals and someone's on the couch going no nah, that's fine 
you know, that that's not going to help anything. It might like one in twenty times that antagonism might spur on the singer, but it's a lot of time it's them. like oh, you've just fucking sent us back half an hour, like or longer. Wow, you know, just like so you that don't want to get psyched out of it. Have you had any instances, again, not with naming names, but like with like negativity, like genuinely affecting the recording process and you have to kind of be like, yo, can you give us some space, get out while we get this sussed? Usually I'll start vocals with no one else in the room. Is that, the, then, is that the pressure point for most bands when the vocals comes in or is it like, it seems like that's the ex- example so far, but can it be even with guitar tone as well or that sounds shit or? Uh, get, well, guitar tone, it's kind of like, you, you can fiddle around for a couple of hours and then it's time to tr- start tracking. That's when the pressure hits. Yeah, When right. we're getting a guitar tone, it's like the pressure's more on me to <laughs> capture the guitar tone. <laughs> so I'm not too worried about it. It's just how much time we've got to spend on it. Right. But with vocals, like, if you're nervous, the first, you're going to hear it straight away in someone's voice. So if someone makes it worse, then you're like, you got to be adding or you should leave so just suss that out and, and you have usually to, everyone's cool with it yeah and you you like I said you've got a, a diplomatic way of just being like hey mate do you reckon we get some space like yeah. you know do you ever have any like you you must know the personality types in bands because with personalities in a band you've got like kind of like you know you've got your typical vocalist and you've got your typical guitarist and your typical quiet person like you must be pretty good at managing personalities at this point right <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you reckon you it's like but some, sometimes you want someone there like the vocalist and say the guitarist or whoever they might have a rapport that I don't understand and oh. I'll I'll get started with the vocalist and the guitarist walking like that's not how you sing you're singing too high like bring it down a notch and you wouldn't and know I've, I wouldn't know because I haven't heard him before or haven't heard him in the rehearsal room you know so you, you got, almost you got to have you a, need an intermediary yeah, yeah. all the time. So yeah, maybe try and suss out one person to sit in with me, and you know, and not have like the other four dudes sitting on Snapchat, like trying to yeah, find exactly. chicks, yeah. trying to find chicks on Tinder near you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> how much? How many Tinder swipes are going to happen in this studio space <laughs> of just dudes in bands like sitting around being mm. like? <laughs> Usually, people were pretty impressed with the Uber list. Like the oh, you got heaps of cool Uber Eats around here. Yeah, like. So so it's just a high volume area of, or is it Uber Eats deliveries can make it this far to here? Like yeah, so I think you can get to Richmond. Oh, so like you've just got a massive radius of eateries to choose from. <laughs> they can come straight to you. So I assume Tinder's similar. Like it's just like. The hotspot, swipe hotspot. If Tinder's as good as Uber Eats, look, I know what I'd rather. I want, I want my variation in food. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck Tinder. Um, well, that's great, man. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to kind of plug or talk about or excited about? Uh, Galaxy's first show, August twenty three at the Bendigo. I'm shattered. I am in Queensland <laughs> celebrating know. my friend's birthday. We're, we're going, to, we're going to Wet and Wild, the movie world though, so it'll oh, be sick. Well. So. Hey, what's up, Tom? Happy birthday, mate. Um, sorry I can't make that show. That's very exciting. You're playing with True Believer, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Big big fan of them. They're, they're going to be on the show at some point very soon as well. Man. They'll sing your praises, I'm sure. Um, and who else is playing on the bill? Uh, Chain Gun. It's like a sort of a Dio era Sabbathy groovy band. Cool. Awesome. And the Midnight Thunderheads. No, yeah, Midnight Thunderheads. It's their first gig as well. Jake Fraser from The Abandonment, his new band. Old friend of yours. Yeah. So it should be a cool night. I'm kicking myself, but just, you know, I'll, I'll be there at the next one and the one after that. Um, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Joel. Really no appreciate worries. it. It was magic. <laughs>